Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. Hello, everybody. My name's Chris Kandaya. I'm the founding director of Home for Good, and it's a delight to come and speak to you at C3. So sorry we can't be face-to-face. Digital video we'll have to do instead, but we are looking at a fantastic theme today. In fact, we're kicking off a series on well-being, which I think is exactly the right thing that we should be looking at right now. So fantastic choice at the C3 leadership team. We're living in a really exciting but challenging moment in history, aren't we? Lockdown has forced us to do all sorts of things that we wouldn't have thought possible or preferable. I don't know about you, but I've been in lockdown with six children and my wife. That's eight people, one roof, one small fridge, and a lot of fun. Also a lot of challenge. I'm used to being out on the road, zipping around the country, often zipping around the world, getting to speak to uh, people about fostering and adoption and God's heart for the vulnerable and uh, all sorts of trips had to be cancelled. And there's, there's a loss there about what we weren't able to do, the holidays we weren't able to have, the, the places we weren't able to visit, the people we weren't able to see. But there's also been a gift, hasn't there? That lockdown, well, at least in our family, has given us time to spend together that we wouldn't have had. We have every meal together, breakfast, lunch and dinner, and maybe a little bit of uh, late evening snacks too. And, And the time that we've got not commuting is allowing us opportunities to rethink and reboot our imaginations about what life is for. We as a culture are celebrating things that we didn't used to. We used to only clap for movie stars and sports heroes, but now we clap for NHS and and key workers and, and long may we continue to do it. And so this moment of lockdown is giving us an opportunity to figure out what life is for and how we live it well. And you know what? The Bible's got a lot to say. If you're someone who's not sure what you believe about Christianity or Jesus or what your own personal beliefs are, I hope this talk will help you understand how God sees your life and how his plans for you are brilliant. He wants to give you a life of fullness and that includes your personal well-being. And so I hope this is a useful talk for you. But if if you've been a Christian for a long time, well, sometimes we fall into funny habits and we forget God's purposes for our life. So I hope today will maybe be a, a reboot for you as you think about how do you live well for God with all that you are. This word well-being is not one that comes a lot in the Bible. The closest we get is the concept of shalom or peace. And the Bible describes that as God's intention for human beings and his whole creation. You might be able to see that in the opening chapters of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. In Genesis 1 and 2, you get a description of what God intends for human life. And you might be able to think about it in terms of four dimensions. The first is that human beings were made in the image of God. We were made to relate to God. Without God in our frame of reference, our life will never fully make sense. Because by the very purpose of who we are, we're supposed to have a relationship with God. We're in his image. Imagine those old Polaroid pictures you used to be able to take out a little camera and instant printout. Well, imagine someone taking a Polaroid picture of an object that doesn't really exist. The photo would make no sense. It would be a kind of self-contradiction. Well, human beings were 
born to be in the image of God. And if we live as if God doesn't exist, our life makes no sense. We'll always experience kind of existential angst and anxiety. We were born to relate to God. But we were also born to relate to other people. The first thing the Bible says that is not right with the world is that it's not good for humans to be alone. And you might say, well, hold on, we weren't alone. We had a relationship with God. Yeah, but that wasn't good enough. We were created not just for a relationship with God, but for community, for friendship, for marriage, for family. Those other people in our lives really matter. That's why some of us are really struggling in lockdown because we're in self-isolation, we're shielded, we're not allowed to be with other people. We were created for community. And that's why church matters, that's why friendships matter. So we were made for a relationship with God, we were made for a relationship with other people, and we were also made for a relationship with this world, with this creation. It's why a sunset can make you sing. It's why being indoors and not being able to go outdoors makes you sad. We were made for the restorative relationship that we would have with creation. We were made to be creative. We were made to make something of the world. That's why your job matters to you and to God. We're supposed to have useful, productive, creative work that makes something useful in the world. We were also made for a relationship with ourselves. Now, for some of us, this is a really difficult relationship. Maybe we have imposter syndrome, maybe we have anxiety, maybe we have ongoing mental health challenges, and, and our relationship with ourselves is not a healthy one. But in Genesis 1 and 2, all four of those relationships were perfect. We lived in shalom, a right relationship with God, a right relationship with others, a right relationship with our world, and a right relationship with ourselves. And in Genesis 3, all of those relationships get broken, not severed completely, but fractured. We now don't have the relationship with God that we know we need. In fact, all of us are alienated from God and we need to come back to him. But even after you become a Christian, we still don't know God as we will one day know him. We, we don't know him face to face. We only have a taste of what's to come, not the fullness. It's the same in our human relationships. Uh, you know, you can enjoy the, the, the fantastic experience and thrill of being in a team and, and the buzz of, of teamwork or, or friendship or family or marriage, but all our relationships aren't what they should be. Even after you become a Christian, there'll be ups and downs, highs and lows, struggles and joys. And, and we were born for a, a right relationship with our world and for our work to mean something. And even after you become a Christian, there'll be ups and downs and struggles and strains. And so this world and the relationship that we have with it is not all that it could be. One day it will be better, but we get a taste of what's to come. It's the same with our relationship with ourselves. It's not all that it could be or should be. We have ups and downs, strains and stresses, joys and sorrows. And even after you become a Christian, that is ongoing. But God's working those things through with us. So that, I think, is what the Bible means by shalom. All four of those relationships rightly orientated. And that is a biblical framework for understanding well-being. Maybe some other passages in the Bible might help you get a grasp of this. Uh, you remember when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandments were? And he quotes Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus 19. He says, the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind. We were supposed to offer God all that we are 
And the second command is like it. It's to love your neighbour as yourself. And so you see, in in Jesus' intention for human living, he ties it into this biblical idea of shalom, us being rightly related to God and others. And you see in the life of Jesus how he's rightly related to creation and rightly related to himself. So sometimes as Christians, we get this kind of well-being thing out of kilter. For example, some people uh, look at those three areas of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and soul. And they say, well, you know, I'm not good at all three of those. I'm just going to focus on maybe one. And there are different streams of the church where they kind of emphasize one of those areas over the other. And that can lead to great benefit and strength in some areas, but great weaknesses in others. Let let me give you a a way of thinking about this. Uh, Here's a little diagram I've adapted from an author called J.I. Packer. uh, And uh, his book was called The Pursuit of Godliness. And uh, this book is fantastic, well worth reading. I don't know if it's still in print, but the diagram was the bit that I really took away from it. And he said, look, for some Christians, their idea of well-being just means that you have a right-minded relationship with God. I'm going to worship the Lord my God with all my mind. And look, let's take the positive first. There's something really healthy about that. As Christians, we want to think rightly about God. That really matters. And so having a good understanding of the Bible, having a clear uh, beliefs system where you know what you believe and not just what you believe, but why you believe it. So the disciplines of theology and apologetics are really helpful. And if that isn't a part of your spirituality, that thinking well about God, applying what you know of the Bible to your work and to your family, uh, thinking deeply about theology and apologetics, I would encourage you to get reading or to get discussing. Um, I've started many a book group or small group that's focused maybe on some theological questions that will help to get your brain to have a right relationship with God. Um, Other books are available, but my book Paradoxology is one I wrote because I didn't think I had a right relationship with God with my mind. I had a whole bunch of doubts and questions I needed to thrash through. And so Paradoxology was my attempt to kind of get through those and hopefully share them in a way that will be useful to others. So you might want to start with a book like that. Plenty of other books are available. But if your relationship with God is only about your mind, you're not going to experience the shalom, wholeness and well-being that God intends for you. A relationship with God that's only in the mind is, is, is a kind of deformed or unbalanced relationship with God. You were created to do more than just think about God. We were supposed to love him and we're supposed to live for him. And so right doctrine is only a third of what we need to be healthy as Christians. And in some churches, this emphasis on thinking, um, it gets worked out. Maybe you've been to one of these churches where the speaker is introduced like this. You're going to love this speaker. He, and it normally is a he, He has the brain the size of a planet. You don't get told about any other aspect of this person's walk with God, whether they love their wives, whether they love God, whether they're generous or miser. That doesn't matter. All that matters is their brain. And it treats us like we're a brain on a stick. That's how we understand human anthropology. But that's not true in Matthew 22, when Jesus says we're supposed to love the Lord our God with all our heart, 
mind and soul. And it's also not true of this shalom picture that we got from Genesis 1 and 2. We were more than minds. So another tribe of the church, and you know, sadly, these tribes often break off. And you know, the mind tribe don't really relate to the heart tribe. But the heart tribe of the church, well, they, they really, really love singing. And they love to experience God. And again, let's take the positives from this. That, that we were supposed to have an emotional relationship with God. We're supposed to praise God with all our heart, mind and soul. And so this, this, this heart aspect of our relationship with God does matter. If you read the middle of the Bible, you've got the Psalms and they're expressing all sorts of deep and rich emotions to God. Our emotions matter to God and therefore they should matter to us. Um, we need to figure a way of making sure that we've got a healthy emotional relationship with God. We can express to God the difficult emotions as well as the good ones. If your relationship with God is just the mind, there's a whole aspect of your spirituality that's missing that will be problematic for you. Because God wants more than just right thoughts, he wants right devotion. He wants us to love him, not just to think about him or believe about him, but to love him with our heart, mind and strength. So in churches where we're in a kind of heart-only relationship with God, they love singing, but don't really like anything else. They don't think deeply about their faith. They just want to sing it out and experience God. The problem with that is that we're very vulnerable to being blown about by all sorts of ideas and trends. And whatever the latest music is, that's what's going to shape who we are, rather than the kind of rock-solid foundation of God's word. So there are real strengths in being in the heart tribe, but there are real dangers too. And actually it's great if you've got friends that are from a different tribe, you know, they're more head Christians and you're more of a heart Christians, hang out together. Let your heart Christianity impact their head Christianity and the other way around. Through this kind of friendship and relationship, we can deepen and strengthen who we're supposed to be. So we've got a holistic relationship with God and we're living in genuine Christian well-being. Finally, the strength tribe. Maybe you've seen them. They, they don't really have a big head, don't really have a big heart, but they're full of muscles. This is muscular Christianity where we get out there and we do stuff. And boy, does it matter that we do stuff. I guess of all the tribes, this is the one that I find most attractive. I'm an activist and I want to get and do stuff. I find it really difficult to sit down and listen. I get fidgety in church because I want to be out there doing stuff. And the Bible's got a lot of space for that. It, you remember the, the parable of um, the man that built his house upon the sand and the man that built his house upon the rock. What was the difference between the man on the sand and the man on the rock? Well, both of them heard the word of God, so they, they had a bit of head tribe going on, but only one of them put it into practice, the man that built his house upon the rock. Or, or take this, parable of the sheep and the goats. How do you know whether you're in the kingdom of God or not? Jesus says, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. There you go, there's activism. You're supposed to be living out your faith. If there's no practical outworking of the faith, then there's no faith, says James. So you can see how each of these tribes, we do need to love God with our minds. We do need to love God with our hearts. We do need to love God with our strength. Each of these tribes, they are really important. These, these dimensions of our spirituality, they really matter.
But if they become isolated from one another, we end up with a very unhealthy form of spirituality. And that's not enough for the world that, that needs us to step up and play our role on God's behalf. It's not enough for our daily relationship with God. We're not just supposed to be head, heart or hands Christians. We're supposed to be whole Christians that offer all that we are to God. And so I, I would say if you recognise in yourself that you're you know, one of these over the others, you might want to invest heavily in the two that you're missing. So if you know that the head isn't a part of your life, well, what are some of the disciplines you could set in place over the summer to kind of boost this area of your life? It could be reading, it could be podcasts, it could be uh, just more concentrated Bible study. That could be really healthy. Or if you know that, that you don't really have an emotional relationship with God, well, that's something you could invest in. Whether it's making more time in your life for personal prayer or to pray with other people or to spend time, maybe it has to be online, but with people that do have that, you recognise it in them, that they have this infectious love for God. Well, spend time with them, let them help you. Or it could be you need to dig into the Psalms in the Bible and allow those words that are emotionally rich to kind of help you reboot your relationship with God at an emotional level. Or maybe you know that you really haven't been active, you've been a really passive Christian, that, that your, your spiritual muscles are atrophying. Well, what could you do? Is there a way that you could start being a great neighbour to someone who needs you? Could you step into the gap for people that are struggling right now? Could it mean that you're working harder, not just at your day job, but at jobs that are going to help people practically in the community? Maybe that's a way that you could begin to flex those muscles that you might serve God more fully. Spiritual well-being, as the Bible puts it, is all three of these. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and strength. And as we offer that to God, we will find we'll grow in intimacy with him. But our lives will become fuller and richer because we're living, you know, we're living in the flow of what God wants for us. But the second commandment that Jesus gives uh, his disciples, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and strength. And he says the second commandment is like it, love your neighbour as yourself. And I've got a bit of fun now that might help you think of a practical way that you could love your neighbour as yourself. And uh, if you've got a phone with a camera on it, open it up and I want you to point it at this. This is a QR code. And we're gonna have a bit of fun. You can win a prize. So um, follow the instructions on the screen. But let me tell you what this is. I told you at the beginning, I run a charity called Home For Good. And this is all about us loving God and loving our neighbor. And right now, across the UK, there are thousands of children waiting to be adopted. And sadly, there's a massive need for foster carers, not just in Cambridge, but right across the UK. And we're expecting lots of kids uh, to come into care after lockdown is finally over because many kids who have suffered abuse or neglect have been invisible to the system. And it's only when they're seen again by GPs and dentists and, and probably school teachers that their needs are going to be seen. And we want to make sure these kids are going to be safe and looked after. And so we'd love it if you would join this email journey. Just all you're doing is send, get, sending us your email and your name and we'll send your emails so that you can pray effectively for this need right now. It might be 
Uh, you might think of stepping up to be a foster parent or an adoptive parent. Well, we'll let you know about that too. But even just signing up helps us to be able to say, when we go to the government, the vulnerable children of our nation matter to God. And they matter to the church. And so every little name on this list will help us to say hundreds, thousands of Christians stand behind us and they're saying to the government, do your best to show compassion and care for kids in the care system. And we, the church, are right behind you. We'll play our part as great citizens because we are called to love the Lord our God with our heart, mind and strength. But we're also called to love the Lord our God by loving our neighbour as ourself. And that means vulnerable children in our community. So you may win a copy of my book, um, which is called The Home for Good Book. And if you do, you'll be notified. Uh, if you didn't win it, don't worry, it's available from all Christian retailers and also from Amazon. So you choose where you buy your books, but it, it is available. So friends, let, let me just recap where we came to. God's intention for you is shalom that we would live a life of spiritual, physical, emotional well-being, And that means we want a right relationship with God, a right relationship with neighbor, a right relationship with our planet, and a right relationship with ourselves. And when you boil that down in the New Testament, it talks about loving the Lord our God with all our mind, heart, and strength. And, and we've given you a few pointers about what a kind of holistic spirituality might look like. And as you go through the rest of this series, you'll be unpacking what that means in different ways. What does it mean to have financial well-being? What does it mean uh, to have vocational well-being? What does it mean uh, to kind of bring your mental health into a relationship with God? We're going to be exploring all of that and different speakers are going to be opening it up each week. But for me, it's been such a pleasure to spend time with you today. I really pray that this series is a blessing to you and that you'll help to go deeper and wider in your relationship with God, that we might serve God, love God and serve our neighbours. May God bless you and all that you do. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you.